Hi folks, I'm Alan Walton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 16th, 2011. For newcomers, I always suggest you help yourself to the free audios which are there for download at cuttingthroughthematrix.com where I try to show you the real system that runs the world, not the one you've been trained to believe exists beyond politics and how the big boys have been at this for an awful long time, how they started their associations a long time ago, circles within circles, all connected together, of course, at the edges, and how basically they plundered the planet, gave us a reality, and update it when required. And what you're going through now is the shake-up of the planet as they update it into something they've talked about for at least a 100 years, actually printed at least openly for a 100 years and talked about and planned long before that, of course. And remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can support me by buying the books and discs I've got at CuttingThroughMeters.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, if you want to order, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office, or you can use PayPal to order. You'll see the, the button on the com site. Use that. And it tells you how to do it. Remember, straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome, as Canada's a bit bit further ahead in austerity than some countries because of the the level of taxes and everything you buy. It's all tacked on with value-added tax, which they call GST here. Same thing. Anyway, help me out with mine uh, and keep me going. And you can also, uh, across the world, use internet. You can actually use Western Union use MoneyGram, or you can use PayPal once again to order or donate. And donations are definitely welcome, because there's a lot of stuff to replace right now, and uh, everything's pretty worn out. And everything's been busting. One week, everything started busting. You know, computer fried. I tried another monitor thinking it was that, and it blew that monitor too. So it was two monitors down and a computer. And just two days before that, the battery backup blew as well. So that's what happens when you're you're doing so much seven days a week to try and get this information out. And the only reason it came out in the first place was because I'd been studying this for years and I didn't hear any of this, even on alternative radio, uh, to show them it's a global agenda. I had, to, I had to come out and start giving them the facts and presenting even information concerning the meetings over the last hundred-odd years, uh, even before the League of Nations was established to bring in the United Nations, because it's an old agenda, and you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs, as you say at the top. What you're going through is a massive upheaval, as we're all taught uh, to go downhill, basically, and, and behave ourselves as we're going downhill. That's what all the massive police is about, uh, the militarized police forces across the planet. They were doing this before 9-11 came along. They were building them up, getting them ready for the coming problems, as they literally bring down the economies of, of some of the countries and do away with nationalism altogether and make it international so that the elites can flow across borders wherever they want to go and live in their wonderful residences, which they've already got set up, actually. And 
the free flow of labor and capital across the borders as well. That which means no one's protecting you at all to ensure that you have rights in your own country. And then you're, to, to cap it all off, you're told to compete with China. Uh, the average Chinese worker doesn't make enough in a month to pay just the, your heating bills in the Western countries, never mind your taxes. So it's a ludicrous proposition to begin with. But then again, that's how it's supposed to be. Now, they've talked about coming food shortages too, and many other things as well. I've mentioned before that Chatham House, the HQ of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is just the Council on Foreign Relations main branch in Britain, have been had a think tank working on this for about 16 years. Look it up yourself at Chatham House. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. You know, uh, corruption is rampant everywhere. It's really blatant today. At uh, one time, the, those at the top, who were obviously corrupt always, uh, had much more cautionary advisors around them to, to make sure that they didn't let too much off into the press or if they wanted to go into a special club somewhere where they got all dressed up or undressed, I should say. Some of them did get dressed up apparently and whipped to river or anything like that. Then they'd, they'd pretty well cover it up and keep it all dead quiet from the public and then they'd appear in front of the public on matters of state, you know, with that stern look and confidence, etc. that a good psychopath has. And that's really how it is. But lately they've been coming out with more and more off because they can't contain themselves, especially since they're all on cocaine and, and various other drugs. But um, it's interesting to, to read the corruption blatantly coming out, and you really realize nothing's changed since, since the days of Caligula. I don't know if, you, if you've ever read the, the history of Caligula and the kind of parties that he threw, where at the end, when they're all really drunk and cavorting around, having orgies, at the end of the night, he threw a slave in a tank, uh, full of electric eels just to watch the poor guy squirm and they'd all laugh and have a good old time and then go home to their beds and sleep. But nothing's really changed, you understand. Nothing really has changed. You'd be surprised what does go on. Maybe even down to snuffing someone out just for the pleasure of it. And of course it's all covered up today. But in reality, those at the top, as I say, are absolutely, absolutely uh, corrupt. And Here's an example too, and I'm leading into this too, but this is one I read a year ago, and it was about um, a conservative lord, uh, Lord James Black of Blackheath it was called, and he said that he was appointed by the Bank of England to deal with problems caused by the laundering of IRA money, which probably meant that the bank or the city, as they call it, wasn't scamming enough money off them. But anyway, he, he's in a video, if I can find it tonight, in my archive section, I'll put the link up again, if it's still there. But he, you actually hear him talking to the House of Lords, and he said to them, I've had one of the biggest experience in the laundering of terrorist money and funny money that anyone has had in this city. That's a city, you know, the square mile of London. I have handled billions of pounds of terrorist money. And the Labour peer, Baroness Hollis of Higham, said, where did it go? 
And then he replied, it was not not into my pocket. He said, my biggest terrorist client was the IRA, and I'm pleased to say that I managed to write off more than one billion of his money, but where did he launder that? He says, actually, he said he's not a launderer, he's, he's a washer. He washes the money. <laughs> I've also had extensive connections with North African terrorists, but that was of a far nastier nature. I don't want to talk about that because it's still a security issue. I hasten to add that it's no good getting the police in. He actually said that in the House of Lords, because I shall immediately call the Bank of England as my defence witness, given that it put me in to deal with these problems, which tells you it doesn't matter what they do. Uh, nothing's illegal at the top. It's legal for you at the bottom or in the middle, but nothing is illegal for them at the top to do this kind of stuff. So the police are told to hands off. You see? This is how our Lord James said today that he had not intended just to imply he had done anything improper. He, he told technology and business website uh, ZDNet UK that he'd been brought in five, uh, brought into five companies between 89 and 1997, 98 at the direction of the Bank of England. See, the Bank of England runs the country. Lord James expressed instructions were to run the companies down and liquidize the assets as they've been identified as conduits for IRA funds. Since the IRA had five companies completely ruined, they'd built the companies up as pension funds. I'm a a money washer, not a money launderer, he says. He also said there was a shadowy group. That was the interesting part in that video, too. He says there was a shadowy group that approached him and gave him an offer to help solve the UK's economic problems. They only dealt in gold, this shadowy group, masses of gold, uh, and they had done since before they changed the, the, into the, the paper currency and so on. Uh, they'd been doing it all along for, I don't know, 40, 50 years. Lord James claims a group which had referred to as Foundation X, one of his foundations, of course, has more gold on hand than all the world's billion reserves combined. Said the group had offered to give the UK five billion immediately and another 17 billion for schools, hospitals and London's Crossrail project. It's just that he came to the conclusion that Foundation X is completely genuine and sincere and that it directly wishes to make the United Kingdom one of the principal points that it will use to disseminate its extraordinary great wealth into the world. In other words, they want to buy it from the ones who own it at the moment, and it's, that's not the people. But anyway, I'll put this up tonight, and it's, um, it's uh, as I say, it's a year old. It's BelfastTelegraph.uk, and that came out on 4th of November 2010. But that's what I'm saying. Understand, we're living in a system today where it's corrupt at the top, but they, they think it's legal because there's no one going to go after them at that level. Uh, they don't even think of it as corruption themselves, which is quite interesting. And then, two, uh, George Osborne is the Chancellor of the British Exchequer. In other words, he's in charge, appointed in charge of the cash for, for the UK and taxes and things like that. And it came out a while back that uh, a young woman who owned uh, an escort agency, it was actually a prostitution agency for bigwigs, um, used to have parties with Georgie and other members around Cameron's party. And she came out eventually with the story and immediately on the heels of her giving permission for it to be published, you'll find that uh, in came uh, the big boy Murdoch himself with the same hit piece, only spun it to get the, to get all the heat off, of uh, George himself, of Mr. Osborne. And, uh, and that's what they do. They save their own, you see, by apparently coming out with the same stuff, but then spinning it off. Oh, he was young and foolish, and, and he didn't partake in these 
these sex orgies where some serial masochism was involved because a lot of these boys at the top from Eton, Oxford and Cambridge, they, they love a little, a little bit of spanking and handcuffs and whipping now and then. It reminds them of whipping the public again. I mean, that's why they call it the chief whip in the House of Commons. You've got a chief whip there. Maybe he whips them all afterwards. But anyway, uh, this is how, this is, these are the characters that are supposedly running your lives and, and running off right now, of course, to this big, big meeting in Europe to deal with all oh, the crashing economy. That's to get everybody petrified so that they come out and say, we've got to completely amalgamate the whole of Europe, including all of its bank books, central banks and everything else. That's the big mission, of course, that the bankers set up in the first place. So anyway, I'll put this link up tonight on a, a video, and it's uh, from ABC on Osborne's Kinky Cocaine and Sadomasochistic Sessions. But they're all at that, you see. They're all in it together. And this is, this is pretty tame compared to what a lot of the stuff they get into. You understand, these guys are brought up in extremely wealthy households, extremely wealthy households. They're the creme de la creme, they call them, of the upper psychopathic elite. And they don't have any morals that you have, if you've been left at all after Hollywood and all the rest of it, that the ordinary folk used to have. And so they've never had any qualms about indulging in any kind of behavior. To, for their own personal pleasure. But these are the characters you're taught to respect and you're taught to believe that... Can you imagine a guy like this is, is, is in charge of the treasury and all that? Can you really believe that? Would you trust this guy? Really? But even, even with a child? I, mean, I wouldn't trust him with my pets. Honestly. But that's what you've got. You see, we're living in incredible, ultra-corrupt times. And there's nothing really new in it. It's just to say, it's just at one time they kept it better covered from the public. And they've done an awful good job at that. Now, I've, met, I've mentioned before how the Labour governments in Britain, the previous ones, that do the left-wing stuff for, for who knows, I don't know who they help, but anyway, it certainly isn't the people who live in Britain. But anyway, they've got a massive welfare state on the go. And, of course, the the assistant prime minister, if you want to call him that, of Britain, uh, with Tony Blair at the time, uh, Tony told them, he says, we're opening the floodgates of Britain to make sure we destroy the culture forever. And I've got the link for that, too. And it's from the horse's mouth. They said it must destroy the whole complete history and the, the past of Britain forever. Because Britain must be this big, supposedly, at the mid-level, not at the top level, they knew what they were doing, but in the mid-level, you're supposed to be believe that it was going to be a melting pot for all of the world. And they made sure most of the world came there with their incredible welfare handouts to the two. Only if you're from outside, but not in-country. If you lived in the country and you were native to Britain, you weren't going to get much in welfare, believe you me. But of course, no one could speak about the scams that have been going on for years, even with some of the gypsies that were buying castles, castles for their whole big family back home in Romania, and uh, getting thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds per month to, to house them when they were in Britain. And they knew all of the welfare scams, etc. And no one questioned them because, you see, they're an ethnic minority. You understand? And this political correctness, of course, is all through the bureaucracy. And they're all trained. They all pick them up very well, willingly, too. And it takes someone from an ethnic group to say the truth because you can't say it if you're, if you're not from the ethnic group. And this is from Baroness Flather, I guess her name is. She's Polygamy, Welfare Benefits, and an Insidious Silence. Uh, and she's, she was born in Pakistan. She's a baroness now. So she's been seen the queen and all that. 
and she reveals how some of her countrymen have as many children as possible by several wives, so she milked the welfare system. As behind this creation of the modern welfare state lay a noble ideal, the post-war generation of politicians and civil servants were motivated by the desire to protect the vulnerable, the sick, and those in genuine poverty. Tragically, over recent decades, and this is all again done deliberately through the policy of Blair and others, the system has been become corrupted. It might have once been a safety net for those in real difficulties, but today parts of the benefit structures have become a lucrative racket for claimants who lack any sense of social responsibility. Through its generosity, which now costs taxpayers more than £200 billion a year, Britain's social security system incentives idleness and fickleness. And one of the most worrying aspects of this, and which is something that has been a taboo subject for too long, because of sensitivities about the issue of race, is the way the system is exploited by some migrants from Pakistan and Bangladesh. So it's it's bash Pakistan time now, apparently, but it's from all over. But I'll continue with this particular article when I come back from this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and just talking about the, the rip-offs in the welfare system and how it's meant to be that way. It's designed that way with all the PC. They bring in immigrants as though they're, they're, they're disabled or something. That's how they treat them. Because you've got to be awfully, awfully nice. They're just human beings, but they don't see them as human beings. They see them as disabled people, basically. Uh, they must be coached and helped from from their cars or something. But anyway, that's the system. And this woman says, who's a baroness now? Who was born in, in Bangladesh? She says, for example, a Pakistani man contracts a marriage in his native country and then brings his wife to England to start a family. Because they've been married only under Islamic law, she isn't legally registered by British authorities as his wife. Even so, they're able to claim child benefits for any children they have. But the state handouts don't end there. For example, for under Islamic Sharia law, polygamy is permissible. So a man can return to Pakistan, take another bride, and then, in a repetition of the process, bring her to England, where they also have children together, obtaining yet more money from the state. Because such Islamic multiple marriages are not recognized in Britain, the women are regarded by the welfare system as single mothers, and they are therefore entitled to the full range of loan parent payments. So it's a business for Laudanum, and she talks about uh, several families, often by the, with, you know, fathered by the same Pakistani man, uh, can all claim benefits as they're provided for by the welfare state, which treats them as if they're not related. Then she goes into some of the examples near the bottom, where sometimes there's whole streets uh, of single women uh, with children all married to the same characters and so on. So this is the this is the nonsense. But it, it takes someone who's from the ethnic minority to say anything because of this incredible political correctness. If you say anything at all, it's hate. Oh, it's hate. That's hateful, and they don't want to hear anything hateful. And this is how bizarre and crazy this Pavlovian system is in which we live. They tried all this in the Soviet Union, and it didn't work either. And that was some of the things that the post-Soviet people mentioned, that they wish they could just leave other different groups within their own groups, etc. Instead of forcing everybody in and just pretend we're all just cosy and happy together. But mind you, these are the exceptions, as I say, but there's enough exceptions to bankrupt the country a few times over, more than there already is. 
But another article too is how to get cocaine in London if you're a banker. And it's a link I put up tonight too. As a finance guy in London explains how to order cocaine from restaurants. These are the big restaurants they go to. And he says um, it's easy in the city and it's very rife in the city. He says that uh, you just go into these special hotels or restaurants and you ask for a, a wine they don't have, but that's the code for the, what you're actually after, and it's, it's, it's put onto your tab and you collect it at the door. So uh, these are all for the big bankers. Again, the guys who are responsibly handling your cash. If you wonder why all the housing market crash, it's no different in the States and every other country too. This, this is the lifestyles that they have at the top now, and no one thinks anything about it. Getting on to Obama too, he, they play to the audience, of course, politicians being the psychopaths they are. Anybody who will vote them in again, they'll, they'll promise them everything. I've got the link to where President Barack Obama, uh, courting Hispanics while promoting his new jobs plan, told the black tie Latino audience that his $447 billion package of tax cuts and public work spending money would put more money in the pockets of Latino workers and business owners and increase opportunities for Hispanics. And um, they'll play to any group. It was, if they could get penguins to pay them, they, they, they'd play to them as well and, and, and promise them lots of fish. But that's just the way that things are. It's utterly corrupt, you understand, at the top. It's utterly, utterly corrupt. And when you think it's getting bizarre... That they're rewelding everywhere. They're rewelding in France, for instance, again with the wolves, putting the wolves back in there. They're putting them into the Mexican borders or across into Arizona, uh, a special mixture of wolves there. And uh, that they can, they're telling you that the people are not wanted anymore. The reason they had the big purge in Arizona in the 1930s was because they were, they were carrying off their pets and things and their livestock. They were killing them. That's why you got rid of the predators. And uh, it's strange that because man is a, compl- is a top predator apparently, and and so he, like any other predator, he tries to kill other ones off. But now they're bringing all the other ones in to try to kill a man off. It would seem if they, they certainly will do it if they eat your livestock. But that'll keep the greenies happy. That's part of the agenda. No meat on your table, of course. So that'll go far, I'm no doubt at all. And they're doing it in Canada too. I've seen them around here. But some of them are almost tame because they've no fear if you at all. You know they've been hand raised and let go, and some of them being as close as 20 feet from me, just casually standing and staring at you, no growl, no, no anything like that, but they're certainly not running off like the old wolves used to do. And if things aren't bad enough with all the madness that's going on, the UK, is, uh, the researchers are to test an artificial volcano for geoengineering the climate. And it says volcanic eruptions like this one at Mount uh, Pinatavo in 91 are known to have global cooling effects because it cuts out the sunlight, right? So it says next month researchers in the UK will start to pump water nearly a kilometre up into the atmosphere by way of a suspended hose. This is quite... So it's almost like penis envy for these little guys from Eton, Cambridge and stuff like that too. They can actually pee up to, to a whole kilometre and beat everybody else. The experiment is the first major test of a piping system that could one day spew sulphate particles. Now, it would be wonderful when you're breathing in the sulphate particles. Actually, are already. They're, they're adding it to the chemtrail mixes that they've been spraying with us for, with us for years. Into the stratosphere at an altitude of 20 kilometres, supported by a, a stadium-sized hydrogen balloon. 
the goal is geoengineering or the deliberate large-scale manipulation of the planetary environment, in the words of the Royal Society of London. You know, those wonderful eugenicists and so on. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We are back carrying through the matrix. And what a matrix it is, isn't it? As we go down the tubes, uh, by design, of course. But yesterday I mentioned uh, how Obama had put so much cash off the taxpayers' money towards that favorite, uh, uh, I think it was Solaris company. It was a company that made the, the, the basically the, the ones, for the panels for the sun and all the rest of it to power. And of course, they squandered the cash in different ways. And then, and they, all, they also basically lobbied them for the grants on the condition that they'd try and re-elect them to put money towards his election. Well, here's another one. GE, General Electric. Now, General Electric really is owned, it's a big player in the military-industrial complex, but it's also owned by the banks. The banks own them. The big ones, like Goldman Sachs, have got the majority shares in these companies now. GE dumps offshore wind power plans after collecting $125 million dollars and stimulus money from taxpayers for wind projects. And it says GE was awarded 44 contracts totaling over $46 million and 44 grants totaling more than $79 million, not so bad, eh, from the Obama-Pelosi $757 million stimulus package. Millions of dollars in stimulus funds were used by GE in green energy projects. Today, GE announced it was going to gut its offshore wind power plans dump them. You just get the cash, you know, you do a little things, get paint a few cuts and that, so you're working on it, and then you just scrap them after you get the cash. Anyway, General Electric, the US-based company, a lead manufacturer of wind power turbines, is scaling back efforts to expand its presence in the offshore wind power market. The rationale is that there's no meaningful offshore wind market to speak of, at least not yet. Given slower than expected industry growth, the offshore market may not mature as rapidly as many wind boosters once believed. Pay hadn't mentioned any of that stuff before they took their call the cash from the taxpayer. Eh? That's the reality that you live in. It's so corrupt. It's so incredibly, incredibly corrupt. And uh, it's just going to get worse as we go down the tubes. It's meant to go that way, of course. Otherwise, they'd hide it all, you see, as they always did before. The media's not there to help you and inform you. It's just to get you all worked up and get you ready for the big changes coming ahead. That's all. And for those who think that Hollywood is um, uh, the big the big one, of course, for basically giving you your, your reality, and it has. They've got an article here. It's called 25 Years Later, How Top Gun, the movie, made America love war. Actually, it's much older than that. There's only one of thousands that have been churning out since World War II. That's one of the biggest industries for them in World War II is churning out propaganda movies about the war itself. And it says, Americans are souring on the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. The military budget is under siege as Congress looks for spending to cut. And the army is reporting suicide, record suicide rates amongst the soldiers. So who does the Pentagon enlist for help in such painful circumstances for recruits, that is? Well, it's Hollywood. And during the army negotiated the first-of-a-kind sponsorship deal with the producers of X-Men First Class. 
and backing it up with ads telling potential recruits that they could live out superhero fantasies on real-life battlefields. Then in recent days, word leaked out that the White House had been working with Oscar-winning director Catherine Bigelow on an election-year film chronicling the operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Now, a great propaganda down in history is reality for most Americans. They'll think that's, that's where you get your history from, is the Hollywood version, you know. So currently questioning its overall military posture and a military establishment engaging in a counter-campaign for hearts and minds. If this feels like deja vu, that's because it's taking place in the 21st anniversary of the release of Top Gun. Then they go into that. But that's not all. Because you see, you'll find that the CIA has been involved in this forever. This article here is about um, the CIA. It says... Uh, uh, are you an aspiring filmmaker who wants to produce a spy thriller? Well, you're in luck because the CIA is a pile of scripts and ideas lying around. Ironic, you say, that the organization known for secrecy is doling out helpful hints to Hollywood. The CIA doesn't think so. For them, it's all about image control, and they're just the start of it. You understand that everything in your life is image control. It's all perception management. Every department you look up to and obey is perception management run. The Department of Defense and just about every branch of the military has an entertainment industry liaison similar to the CIA's. If you want to make a war film and need a fleet of F-52s, you ever wonder why they have these big scenes with tanks, ships and, and gunships and everything there? A crowd of Marines or a Navy aircraft carrier, just call up the Department of Defense's entertainment media office. Yeah, they do have one, an entertainment media office for the Department of Defense. And they'll tell you if the Army can spare that M1A1 Abram tanks you've always wanted to for a day or two of filming. The scripts we get are only the writer's idea of how the Department of Defense operates. Vince Ogilvie, Deputy Director of the Defense Department's Entertainment Liaison Officer, told Danger Room, we make sure the department facilities and people are portrayed in the most accurate and positive light possible. Hollywood has been working with government organizations to make more credible films for years. For instance, Jerry Bruckheimer and Paramount Pictures worked closely with the Pentagon when filming the 1986 blockbuster Top Gun. But the phenomenon is under newfound scrutiny. There was a bit of a kerfuffle recently when some in the process, uh, some in the press and in Congress, speculated about whether the government will give Sony Pictures any pointers while they make the film about the killing of Osama bin Laden. And it goes on and you can read all about it and who's involved in, in the making of it and so on. And your celebrities, I'll get some big celebrities to go in there, ones that you're, you're trained to look up to and you want to be, which of course will never happen. And then I looked up to the CIA uh, from the government, actually, the Department government department, and I'll put this link up too. And they actually have a public affairs department uh, uh, for entertainment. Yep. Entertainment Industry Liaison, Liaison Office is called. As an organization that plays a key role in America's defense, the CIA is a frequent subject of books, motion pictures, documentaries, and other creative ventures. As I've told you before, anything that's authorized on the bookshelves out there has been passed for quality control, for being up to date with what they want, you see. That's how you become wealthy and well-known. Otherwise, you'll never hear of you. It won't get there. They've got this forever, this, this con. 
For years, artists from across the entertainment industry, actors, authors, directors, producers, screenwriters, and others have been in touch with the CIA to gain a better understanding of our intelligence mission. Our goal is an accurate portrayal of the men and women of the CIA and the skill and innovation, daring, and commitment to public service that defines them. And they're also involved, by the way, in destroying your culture because it's not for America. CIA is not for America. Most folk don't even think that. They, they, they believe they're propaganda. It's international. It's to bring the world into one system through degrading you as well. That's what's a lot of degradation in the movies. If you're part of the entertainment industry and are working on a project that deals with the CIA, the agency may be able to help you. We're in a position to give you a greater authority to scripts, stories, and other products in development. And a lot of people contacts too, I'm sure. That can mean answering questions, debunking myths, or arranging visits to the CIA to meet the people who know intelligence. It's past, present, and future. In some cases, we permit filming on our headquarters compound and says, please visit our headquarters virtual tour. Isn't that wonderful for budding writers? We can also provide stock footage of locations within and around our main building. Intelligence is challenging, exciting, and essential. To better convey that reality, the CIA is ready for a constructive dialogue with a broad range of creative talents. And you think entertainment is all about just having fun, eh? I've told you, everything is weaponized. Everything is spin. And the firewall has no, or the mind has no firewall, unless you put it up to yourself. And that takes some doing. You can't enjoy anything anymore. You must have studied it. And you'll see immediately what they're really trying to put into your head. And then you'll see those around you copying it into their lifestyles. That's what you do. Monkey see, monkey do. That's how it happens. So it's quite the world we're living in now. And uh, we also have an article here uh, where, as I say, the bigwigs have rushed off to, to Europe to do their their big meeting about how we're going to save the euro and the European Union. And, of course, it's all to get us all hyped up to our knees, say, help us, save us, save us, and they come out with a new deal. They always give us new deals when they're upgrading us to their to their system, don't they? And Ontario, Canada, one of the, I don't know if it's the last one or not, but four plant closure mourned by St. Thomas, Ontario. And it's put hundreds and hundreds out of work and all the... Never mind all the, the industry around them, which helps supply these factories. It puts thousands, actually, out of business and out of work because the, the, the economy around them, the service economy, manufacturing, even small machine shops all, all go, all those that supply the parts, etc., all go down the chute. And so that's thousands out of work there. I'll put that link up, too. And this is the world we're in. This is the world. Plan takedown, as they tell us, to compete with China and the Far East, where people are given maybe 20 cents a day and a better paying job. Hey, can you believe that? This is the rubbish that they give you for reality. And of course they are at the top completely psychopathic and they're inbred psychopaths too. That's why they come from the elite families and then end up in politics running into the dirt. But not only that too, of course, they have all of academia on board with them because you'd be surprised how many psychopaths are in academia, especially in the sciences. But I put an article up tonight too on behavioral genetics. A big field for them too. Behavioral genetics examines the origin of variations in human behavior. More specifically, addresses to what extent 
uh, at least there should be extent, variations in genetic disposition and environmental factors account for individual differences in mental and physical health and behavior. BaseClear offers a broad package of services for the analysis of genetic variations. In recent years, we've developed a range of genotyping tests that type polymorphisms in genes that are potentially involved in human behavior. Most of the genetic variation that is being used in behavioral genetics relates to either SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms, or VNTR. This is basically uses a combination of PCR DNA sequencing and DNA fragment analysis to be very accurate, to accurately type these mutations. Now, and the two articles I'll put up about it, you'll find that they actually started off with that big strange thing that was never clearly explained to the public. Actually, it wasn't explained at all until they'd done it all, and that was the Human Genome Project. It isn't just about are you going to be sick down the road? Do you want to abort that child? Perhaps, you know, maybe it's good for, for, for the, for everybody if you just don't have children at all. Because you might have asthma or you might have hay fever or a runny nose or something. And, or you might be just too intelligent but not join the elite and there's a real problem. Things like that. So, uh, it's a, that's where your tax money is going go as well to make sure that the elites in the future, when we're all dying off, will not have the problems we've had in the past of the occasional person who is allergic to tyranny and they get rid of them before it happens. To them it's very practical. They're very pragmatic at the top, you understand. And that's the world, as I said. Now, there's, there's callers on the line here and uh, they're hanging on. There's, there's um, Dave from Arizona. Are you there, Dave? Yes. Hey, uh, uh, always nice to talk to you. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the wars going on in the Middle East right now. Yeah. I understand the military-industrial complex. Mm -hmm. Companies like G, Halliburton, and General Dynamics, they profit handsomely off these wars. And you have the banks, the IMF and Chase, which take over their assets and bring in their fractional banking system in and steal everything. And then you have the oil companies. Mobile, BPX on these guys come in and take the oil. Is that really what these wars are about? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they actually admitted in the, the British papers that uh, before they went into Iraq, uh, that the top um, CEOs of all these corporations met with the Prime Minister of Britain and, and they had a long chats, many chats, to, to see who, how they're going to divvy up uh, the spoils amongst them at the end of the war before it even went started. So it's the same thing with Libya. They've, they've already decided who's getting what. In fact, the Prime Minister in Britain is meeting with Sarkozy of France, and that was in the papers mainstream, and the article was that they were meeting t- t- together to, to see how they would divide the spoils. And then the propaganda medium, media here, they go in and they say that he's a ruthless leader and we got to take him out and it's for the good of the people, but we're really just there to rape and pillage. Oh, absolutely. All wars are economic wars. It doesn't matter. The Romans used to go out and plunder, and they'd bring in the money boys with them, by the way, even in pre-Christian times. And they'd uh, introduce the cash, make the folk use the cash, then they'd tax it all back off them. Uh, this is, and get them to work for, for nothing. Then there was another form of slavery. But um, the Romans used to use the excuse of going off to civilize the barbarians. And they've used this, this kind of terminology all down through the ages, uh, we're now over there to bring democracy to, to, to the barbarians. This is how they're, they're putting it across. Uh, anything I'll do for the general public, because they want, the, the public don't want to look at the plain truth. You're run by pirates. <laughs> and so, they, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's interesting. I mean, 
Do you think the American people are ever going to figure out that they're not getting anything out of this? Or they will when uh, when it's too late. I, I noticed that even Bloomberg has an article there about the coming riots, unless unless there's work for the public that's going to be cut. So they all know what they're bringing down back home. Now these international corporations, they're not. I don't care where they put a head office. They've got head offices across the planet. They're international. So as they're taking you down, they can move anywhere they want to to move and still supply what's left of the rest of the world with oil at even a higher expense, in fact. And, I mean, like Halliburton and all that, they're in Dubai. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, and all they are, are are contractors. They get the big deals from the top psychopaths that people think they elect into government. They get the big taxpayers' de- deals, cash. And then they subcontract it and subcontract it and subcontract it and subcontract it. That's how all government contracts work. So their favorite high... Um, Masonic group gets the, 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 the initial contract, get a big whack of it, and it's simply subcontracted all the way down to the bottom, to the cheapest labor. Well, you know, one thing I think it's really funny, Alan, here in the United States is these people elected Obama, you know, because he was the anti-war president and all this. Yes. Not only didn't he end the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, but he's actually adding Libya and Pakistan on for size. Oh, yeah, and, it's, and Syria. They want to go Syria, too, yeah. Yeah. Oh sure, and and the people won't matter. It won't matter because it's a good, it's a good script writer that doesn't say much, just wonderful phrases that don't tell you any facts about anything. It's all emotional phrases, and uh, and that's good enough for the public because they watch Hollywood that's run by the CIA and <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> there was a few really good. Uh, did you ever see the movie uh, Three Days of the Condor? Yes, yes, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. And even that, even that whole story was about the war games that they play all the time. What, what if we did go over there and steal the royal? And what excuse would they give the public? And, and then the guy says at the end, well, you know, down the road when there's, there's little oil, the public will be howling. Wait, wait till they howl for it. And, and so they do these games all the time. That's what they said. He, he said that they wouldn't want us to ask. Yeah. He would just take it. That's right. But the, see, the, the world's never changed. Yeah. You don't really get anything out of it. You get, you get nothing. You get the bills. Yeah, we pay for it. You pay for it, absolutely. You pay so they can go off and plunder you, just like the banks can plunder you as well, and then they get paid for plundering you. I mean, this is a cor- utterly, utterly corrupt system, and you can't change the system. It's got to collapse completely. It really has. You can't fix it. It's, it's too crooked. But thanks for calling. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're back cutting through the matrix and yeah, as I say, the system is so crooked that you can't fix it. You just can't fix it. Uh, the Tower of Babel is swaying at the top in the breeze and it's covered in band-aids and splints and all. It's done awfully well for, for the wealthy folk for thousands of years, but really it's, it's getting to a stage now where we're all going to suffer, not them, because you see the elite in all ages make sure of their own escape and survival and survivability for themselves and their families and their they do live through their offspring. You know, they might not feel much towards them, but they actually live through their offspring because they're so egotistical. Now, this article here 
it's showing you again how political correctness has gone absolutely crazy in this, this test bed, of course, the flagship Britain, where it's to come everywhere from Britain. Children as young as four are reprimanded for racist behaviour. More than 20,000 under-11s were punished for racist and homophobic behaviour in schools last year, according to research. The equivalent to around 100 primary school pupils a day were reported to local authorities after using offensive language in lessons in the playground. In some cases, pupils were reprimanded for relatively trivial squabbles and employing insults such as Gaylord and Broccoli Head. I thought that would have been green. And they'd be happy with the greening. Researchers said many children, some as young as four, are being reported despite being unlikely to understand the meaning of the words. And then they gave you some examples of the children. It's all under the, the 2000, year 2000 Race Relations Act, where literally it's, it's just bananas. And it says the Manifesto Club, a civil liberties group, claimed the system was based on a profound misunderstanding of children, saying that the adult words take on a different meaning in a playground context. Data obtained under the Freedom of Information Act shows how two primary school pupils, one a Christian and another a Muslim, were reported for calling each other Gaylord and bursting into giggles when asked what the word meant. They weren't fighting with each other. You find this in the workplace too. You, you, you get your names right and you just accept it and you laugh and the whole bit. One incident report from the London Borough of Barnet showed two children aged eight and nine squabbling over a rubber and calling each other gay and lesbian. Just because they, they hear the words now in all their sex classes and don't know what it really means. Except it's naughty. Another child was at Radiford shouting out in class, This works gay. He probably got that from a movie. A school in Bath reported a child for calling a classmate broccoli head. And Josie Appleton, Manifesto Club director, says children need free space in which to play and argue without their words being reported to local education authorities. Surveying and monitoring children's speech is no route to an equal and tolerant society. Research reveals that 30,147 incidents were logged by 152 local authorities in England and Wales in 2008-9. Most were related to racism. Only 22 local authorities collected data on homophobia, reporting 561 incidents. Of the 30,147 incidents in total, around 20,000 related to primary schools. The children called themselves everything in school. I mean, that's what they do. They laugh and giggle and, and, and all that kind of stuff. They're not fighting with each other. So that's how mad the world is, is forced to become because, you see, scientists are in charge. The new priesthood, you know, uh, the ones who are all in for it. Actually, science, the, the, the psychology and psychiatry began with eugenics. That was its whole purpose, in fact. And look where they've taken us. It's just a absolutely madness out there where you're, you're scared to say anything at all and say, okay, someone's offended. Eh? Well, I'm offended about that. Oh, but some are allowed to be offended and some aren't. Depends who you are. That's the reality of the world and political correctness. Is this a world you want to live in? What's left of it? From Hayes, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, me, your God, or your God's school with you. And remember, buy the books and this and donate and help me just take over here. <laughs> <laughs>